I count this as a privilege to be here, and particularly, I just felt it's wonderful that Grant and Jane are able to sit back and hopefully enjoy the presence of God and somebody else is doing this. And I think it's just where we want to be as a church. We want to, we want to build up this church to a level that Grant and Jane are not the only ones driving it from the front, but there is a, a level of maturity and depth of faith that all of us can be doing these things. So we don't have to rely on, on the specials. We're all specials in the kingdom, and that's what I want to get to. Um, and and, and I, just, I just struck, you know, the reason we're here is that we're a church that wants to grow deep. There's a lot of churches around us, and I feel they are successful because they're shallow. They draw people in, and, and it's good. It's good that people are born again. But the kingdom is more about just being shallow and, and living for yourself that you're born again. It's the fact that I'm deep, and I know who I am, and I'm obedient. That depth of knowledge of God is the taproot that draws me out into the world to make a difference. And that difference... For some other reason, I happened to be watching a YouTube clip on Bill Mayer and Brad Pitt and another lady, a Somalian Muslim, who fled from a, a prearranged marriage. But both of them, Brad Pitt said, I grew up in a Christian home and I reject Christianity. The, the Muslim lady said, I was entrenched in this very violent system and I reject that as well. I just felt God saying to us, wouldn't it be wonderful that people like that can say, I reject my faith and my religion. But you know what? Those guys in South Africa from 247 Church, what's on with them? We just, we, we, we don't understand it. They love the Lord so much and they're so passionate to go out and demonstrate the love of God that they're not afraid that we, by our love and our good works for the Lord and the fact that we're demonstrating the kingdom, people are talking about it. And they're afraid to join us. They don't do it lightly because it's easy. They do it because they've been drawn in. And that's what I'm trying to get to in this. This is not about filling the church with numbers. It's filling the people with a deep tap root that will bear much fruit. So that's what I feel is God's got on the, on the agenda for today. Um, so being an engineer, I'm noting the time as well, project planning this, it's quarter past 10, um, I'm starting now, just, <laughs> so the key points that I want to get to are, yeah, can somebody log it, uh, key points is that God is spirit that I want to get through, we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes, we are spiritual beings, uh, in human outfits, and I thought, it should be the other way, are we human, are we, are we physical, spiritual, but I feel God saying we are spiritual beings in human outfits. Get that right. So we are uniquely created spiritual. We died spiritually, and we are need to be born again spiritually. So I'm going to talk about that. And then this question came, why flesh? And I asked the Lord that, and he gave me an answer. So I thought that's going to be good. Um, we can be born again, but we can also be very blind spiritually. And so we've been talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and life and the tree of, sorry, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And it's about going between these two and choo choosing the one where we want to be. So you can be born again, but very dull spiritually. Um, and that's the unbelief in God's word. It doesn't carry that impact that, that it needs to. So how do we not believe? I want to talk about that. Um, how do we often avoid letting the Bible inform our theology? Because we read it, but it just seems to not carry that weight in our own lives. And I talk for myself. Um, and, and often we seem to be relying on our own abilities. I speak to people and it's, I've reasoned to this place, or I understand that, but we're not letting the word carry that weight and impact on our own selves. And I don't think that helps the kingdom advance. So what do we need to believe? We need to be able to feast on the Bible and enjoy it and to take it apart and see the relevance in our own life. We need to have a confidence in God, and that's maybe my main, main point is that I'm confident in God. Um, I can live out those promises that God said. Each and every promise, I see it, and I let it live out in my own life. I can live it out in power. It should be in power. When the uh, apostles were before the Sanhedrin, I, I love this. Uh, it, 
they said, we can see these are simple men, but they've been with Jesus. Why? Because they spoke with authority and power. In my life, I'm, I'm one of the people to say, we can see you're an engineer, but still you speak with power and authority. I don't want anything on my background to carry the weight. I want it to be just God carrying that influence and power to have the impact in people's lives. Um, we can worship God in spirit and truth. What does that mean? And we can see the kingdom of heaven. Uh, how does that look? So I'm going to touch all these things, and, and let's make sure we understand it. Um, there's also spiritual tools that uh, are important. Are we using those tools? Do we value them? Do we make time to be um, spending time in those spiritual tools that God's given us? And, and what does it look like? As I say, we want to be that church that people are talking about because God's just doing something amazing. Not that I want any recognition. I just want people to see that Jesus is real. And that's what we want to get to. So, so God's given me a couple of testimonies and um, visions, etc. And what's been interesting, my background is actually Anglican, and then Baptist, and then more charismatic, and, and here. And, and that's the journey. But I just want to give credit to our pastors here, because being under them has helped release um, spiritual gifts. So I love their hearts, and I love what they're doing. And if you want to and you want to spend time with them, you will learn. So I've never had visions and pictures and dreams to the extent I've had. But because you guys have made that culture and you've explained it to us and everything else, I am now living in that. So we come to meetings today, I'm having that. So it's up to you. I, my challenge to you is if you're not experienced it, you're meant to, and you should be in the place where you can. Because I've also walked away from where it didn't happen to this place. And the first testimony I want to give to you is about a, a group, I think it was about three missionaries, uh, before Second World War, they had a passion. They were led by the Lord to go to the Walamu province in southwest Ethiopia. Found a small village, 35 villages, and they spent some time sowing the word, explaining the kingdom, telling them what Jesus has done. And these guys became born again. But at that time, the Italians were saying, we want this land. We're taking over. You need to leave. Otherwise, you're in trouble. So they had to leave. The only thing they could do was leave them the gospel of John. They left, and so for the duration of the war, I assume they had a burden in the heart and prayed for these people. But when they returned, what do you think they, they found? 35 people, less? Can you imagine 10,000 in the space of five years with only the book of John? 10,000. Grant, I mean, can you do the numbers here? Is, is, does that work in your book? Hey, should we, yeah, 10,000, 35, yeah. So, so what was amazing is when the, the missionary arrived back, he was amazed to see the number of believers and worshipers there, but even more so, he was absolutely amazed to see the power and demonstration of God in their presence. There were signs and wonders taking place there, and miracles and healings were, were commonplace in day to day. It shocked him because he said, I didn't believe that was still relevant today. It had died out. My theology had taught me that this had died out. I once paid to have that type of theology. I went to a theological college, and they taught me to believe the same. Um, that sounds a bit crazy, not to believe what the Bible says and to pay for it. I mean, that's a, a new level of crazy. <laughs> All right, so there's the power and demonstration. So who would believe if you read the John, the book of John, without any outside influence, all the knowledgeable theologians, the kingdom of God just explodes, and there we have the kingdom of heaven. People have been saved, people have been healed, and everything else. I read another article, which was quite interesting in my research, and they said 18,000. Oh, it's a big number, but they never once mentioned about the signs and wonders. So that obviously offended that person who was writing it to the level to say, no, no, we can't put the truth down. We'll just say it's this. So what I'm saying is, who do you follow? Do you follow the very professional doctor of theology, or do you follow the Word of God and what the Spirit is saying? The, the other one 
uh, been interesting couple of weeks. We're doing some amazing things in, in the business world, and I, I just love being there. But I, I had a quick picture, all of kind of, we're all on board. It's the church. We are all on board, and we're on the boat, but we're not. We're on the outside of it. So I looked at this picture, and all of us are on the outside of the boat holding on and walking on the water as we go forward. And in front of us is Jesus and our leaders, all smiling, flowing here in the waves. And the thing I was missing was a soundtrack of music. So you guys want to do that, of us walking on water. So the boat represents the kingdom moving forward, and we are outside because that's what Christians do. We climb out of the safety and security and the reasonableness of what the world dictates, and we're walking on water because that's what born-again believers do. I one day will walk on water. Why? Because that's what Peter did, and it's in the Bible, and so it's going to happen. So I enjoy swimming in water, but I want to walk on it as well. Um, people will come into the boat because they'll see something and say, wow, that crazy bunch of people, we've got to know what they're doing. They'll come in, but we're going to get them onto the outside of that boat. So that was the one vision that just said that we're different. God's telling us we're different. We're not like the rest who are trying to get you all into the boat, neatly lined up and with your places. We're going to be on the outside going in the direction of the Lord. And then this other dream I had, which is unusual because I just don't, dream a lot, is early in the, in the morning, I was disturbed to hear this announcement that there's a tsunami wave approaching, and God had called us to get into the water. Now, who of you know that that's kind of unreasonable, illogical, and crazy? All right, it's, it's not what you do, because you know you should go to the high land, and if you're in the water, you will be smashed, smithereen, puree, whatever it is, onto the rocks and the shore. So it's illogical to do that. So what I found quite amazing was that's where God wanted me to go. And what I found amazing was that God was using business people in my own life, and I had particular names, to encourage us to be part of where God wanted us to be. So that to me was a confirmation of businesses rising up to the role they play in the kingdom to position people to what God wants them to do. So now we're in the water, reminded that we've been trained. I'm saying, Lord, what tsunami training did I read? It was His Word of God. Just being familiar, trusting, knowing the Master's voice, and knowing that if I'm obedient, I can trust Him. That's all He asked me to do. So in all your lives, you're facing tsunamis, and I bet, <laughs> excuse me for being bold, you're applying reason and logic and professional this and whatever, and that's not what God's calling you to do. He's just saying, what tsunami training have you had? It's in the Word. Okay, so that's, that's that point. So once we had accepted that and went into the water, it suddenly dawned on us, this is not the tsunami wave that the world is telling us. This is a major move of God. God's about to do something amazing, and He's using us, and we've got to be in position. There's no good waiting on the sidelines to see it come past, because you lose all, who knows if you catch a wave, it's a bit late when the wave runs past, and it's gone. You can't catch it. You will never catch it. It doesn't matter what you've got. So you've got to be in position at the right place and timing, and I believe that's what God's telling us to be. Be where I've called you to be. Be obedient to where I've called you to be, and I will take you there. No matter what the world's telling you, your friends and I've had long discussions with brothers and, and sisters in this, is that they will position you in reason where you should be. You can't. It's not, it doesn't make sense. All I'm saying is hear what the Word of God says and position. If it's crazy to them, but it makes sense to other believers, you're walking on water and you're waiting in the wave in the right position. And that's what we are as a church. We're going to grow deep tap roots because that is our nature and our culture. And I believe that's what God's trying to get us to. So how on earth do we do that? Um, so I just want to hit us with a, a major tr couple of major truths here. We are made in God's image and, and likeness. That's Genesis uh, 1. Um, and as he is, so we are in this world. That's my true identity. doesn't matter what you see, that's my true identity. Um, if you believe the Bible and you believe Jesus, you'll do the same works he did and greater works. I don't even 
try and unpack that to what it means. I'll just do the same. He said it, I believe it. Um, because he's going to the Father. <clears throat> Has he gone to the Father? Is he still there? Yes. Do you agree? Yeah. So we will still do the same works and more. Um, I'm going to hit it now because I've got to lay it on. Not because the, the Bible is here. So we have this thing of the church, those amazing prophetic signs and wonders, and then we get to a place where it doesn't, and then smart theologians will come along and say, I will tell you, but because the, the time of the apostles has left, we no longer need to do this. And by the way, we've got the Bible. That's why we don't do this. So those are the reasons why you don't. They're not biblical. They're human sense. But what does the word say? Because I've gone to the Father, you will do this. And I'm saying, well, God, you're still there, so I must do that. So I'm just reinforcing the fact that you've got a choice here. To, do you believe what the world says? I'll tell you why there's no signs and wonders. And I'll tell this to my friends who tell me there's no. It's because you, you don't believe. That's why. Not because the Bible's here and because the apostles have gone. You just don't believe. And you can't do it with unbelief. So my task here is to remind us to be people of faith and to go into what God's Word is saying. And if it's challenging you, it's God challenging you to say, I want you to be in the water, walking on the boat, to be where we're meant to be. Not None of this other stuff. We're not going to be a thinly spread church. We're going to be a deep-rooted church, and we're going to see an explosion taking place. I don't need, and I have... I'm having arguments with other believers about this because they're saying, how can that be so? I'm just saying it's the word. I need to make a choice to say that is so true that that's where I want to live. I'm making a decision that God's word is the truth and it's profound and it's irrelevant today. Okay, so I just want to reinforce what Connor said earlier. We brothers and sisters, a small group of us, but for some other reason we're here because we want to see the kingdom established the way it should be. It's easy to go and join another church and get caught up and and absorbed into it, and say, wow, we're a big church, we've got numbers. I don't think that's necessarily where we, God wants us now. He wants us to be faithful and obedient and deep in it so we can do the greater things. I just love the fact that we've been sending out teams. Which other big church has sent out a group of women to Nepal? I mean, I, I, it's unusual. That's a big church thing. We are a big church, by the way. So what's God seeing? Small church, big church. Um, break that little mold. It's big church. He's seeing a big church because he's in us. Is he a big God? Yes. He's deep in us, and we can do that. So what else are we going to do this year? Major things. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the verge of, of amazing business breakthroughs, and it's just trusting God. And I don't really want to dwell on that because that's not the focus of this. But when you're trusting God for the unusual, the unusual things are going to happen. So just one of the things, we are drafting letters to the new president to do incredible things. So how does that work that we are now influencing leaders? At a level where people are saying us, we're not doing this because you're going to bribe us. We're saying you're, we're on the same page. So we can approach people with kingdom values to go and do that. And I'm looking forward. I'm telling you now, I want to be in front of the president to be able to say, President, we as the church, 247, stand in agreement that we are praying for you to do well and that we will do our work, which is not petition and science stuff, but we'll do good. So the word says we'll do good. That's our calling. And so let us show you us doing good. But you can depend on us. Okay. So, so and, I, and I think one of the other big things that I've seen as well is that there's a lot of dwelling at the wedding feast. In salvation, we get born again, and we make a big, and we sing those. It's good. It's good to be reminded. But we spend so much time on being born again in salvation that that's the wedding feast. It's a beautiful moment. Nobody wants to miss a wedding if you're invited. It's, it really is an awesome place to be. But the point is, 
there's a marriage that takes place. And we walk away from that moment in time to live out a marriage to bear much fruit. And that's where God's called us to do. He's saying move away from just the basics, and I'll get into that passage, and that we can move into a place where we are living out marriage fruitfully with Jesus to see amazing things. And that's for all of us. It's got to be an amazing thing. Not looking from this from a worldly perspective, but from a kingdom perspective. Okay. And we walk by sight. The big issue is that I, I might have degrees and I might have reason, but at times when it's walk by sight, that's what you should see me by. You should be saying we can see. When you look at each other's lives, you say, wow, thank you. You're walking by sight. When you, when you look at each other, I thank you for these people uh, and others who I know are walking by faith because things aren't happening, but they're walking by faith and encouragement to us. I see Jesus. Are you seeing Jesus in one another? And are we encouraging that and, and praying for one another to see Jesus the way Jesus was and is? All right. So, so key to this is that we're spiritual. I think the world makes it very obvious that we are physical and, and we rely on the physical senses, science and material and everything else. But what happens is, is that God is spirit. John 4, 24 talks about God being spirit. So he's not a force. He's a personality. Um, and he has emotions, he has a mind, and he, and he reasons as well. Um, he has a spiritual body, and he can change, and he can manifest. But he's essentially spiritual. Um, now, what is greater? Because we look around here, if I get hit by this, it's going to be quite a physical impact and be quite sore. And if I get hit by the spiritual, I'm not too sure what that could be. But this certainly has a lot of relevance, in, in, and I can touch and feel right now. So we often discount what the f- spiritual is in our own lives. So I think that's something we've got to be aware of, that we've been created spiritually. Our originator, our creator, is spiritual. And I'll get to that point now. So what is greater? Did the material create the immaterial? Did the seen create the unseen? The world will tell us, you Christians are making up this God, and so the material created the unseen. You've got it wrong. Because (laughs) even if you go to the Big Bang Theory, out of nothing, something created. What's that? Well, that's the unseen. So even they believe it, by the way. So let's just get something clear there. They're also believing. So what is greater is the unseen. The unseen is far superior to the seen. And we've also got to realize that and say, Lord, I'm trusting on you because you're the unseen and unseen is greater. Unseen creates what we see around us. What is seen is transient, so 1 Corinthians 4.18, but the unseen are eternal. So it makes more sense if you're going to put your hope and dependence on something to go for the unseen. If you're putting your faith in the seen... Um, it's, it's very illogical, if I'm going to apply reason. It's very, very illogical. Um, so we'll see, uh, uh, Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are unseen, that are visible. And then how do we relate to God? Because we, we need to relate to God, obviously, on a spiritual level as well. If he's spiritual... And we're going to understand there's a spiritual component. I'm going to get to that. We need to understand there is a spiritual connection. I'm not trying to relate just on a material, material, physical level. I've got to understand that in order to enjoy what God has for me. So that's important. So now in that background of God being spirit and the power of spirit, God comes and creates the physical. So here we are in the physical. Um, Did he create us like the animals? So there's God and just saying, giraffe, elephant, whale. Cockroach, well, um, cricket, whatever it is. He created those, all right? So, and I'm being a little bit cheeky here, but I think I have some favor. I'm just explaining from my mind 
as an engineer who's, who's done some research, I don't believe that there's an evolutionary argument for it because it fails. And I don't believe that's sufficient. It's insufficient because, and I'm just going to throw it, if you want more info, these are the reasons why I can't believe in man-made process to discount what God did. I believe God spoke and it was. So there's no known physical way to start life from chemicals. It doesn't exist. In fact, the true evolutionary scientists are invoking alien life. Why do you think we're going to look for, we're going to other planets to look for life? They're saying if we find a drop of water, that's life. But we can kill an embryo and a baby, that's not life. So it tells you how weird the world has got. So that's what we want to do. We're looking for alien life on other planets to try and say, there you go, that's proof it happened here. Um, natural selection is not evolution. God built in our ability to adapt and to cope. So inherent in animals is this ability to cope with changing environments. Why? Because God knows what's going to happen in the world, and he wants animals to be able to adapt and to cope with the new environment. It's a God-given process. It's not an evolution process. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of problems with, there's a lot of some fossils and a lot of us, but there's no lot of intermediate. So we've got this very vague and broken pattern of fossils. So I have big problems with that. I need to believe. I can, I can, I can believe in evolution. I can't stand on a scientific fact. That's what I'm saying. And what I'm trying to say is the Bible to me is, is probably is more credible. I'm happy to believe in that as an engineer to say it is more credible the way it is because your arguments, if I study them, and I haven't even got these hours that I need to go into the full thing, and I study that. Don't make sense. So now we come to man, and how different is man to animals? I, I love this. I just love what God did. So he spoke. But when it comes to making Adam, this is God. He goes into the dust, and he crafts Adam out of the dust. I don't think he spoke. I think he got there, and he molded it, lovingly touching head, shoulders, waist, down to the feet. That was a form of man in the physical sense. But now here comes an amazing thing. He now brings the spirit to bring us to life. And it says he breathed into his nostrils. I, I just sense this, and, and God would have to correct me, but I just sense closeness, tenderness, romanticness between God and us. Um, he breathed life into us. That's how I was created. So the alternative is this, if you want to believe in alternative. So that to me is profound, because it gives me identity and truth of who I am and how precious I am to God. I have a problem, and it's my problem, it's not your problem, but I'm just saying, this is why, I'm, I'm just giving you why I believe this way. If you want to believe I love you, I probably love you more, because I need to try and show you why I believe this is more important. As long as you believe the word, that's what I'm saying. You can believe whatever else it is, but I'm just, I just believe these things set up against the argument for God, and how important and special we are, and spiritual we are. So God breathed the Spirit into, into Adam. If you believe in evolution, when did he breathe the Spirit into man? Soup? Soup comes alive. Amoeba, amoeba. God breathes them. No, I don't. Does that make sense? <clears throat> frog. Oh, there's a frog. Now we can put the Spirit of God into a frog. Does that make sense? Does that really make sense that God put his Spirit into a frog? What about the ape? Oh, there's the ape. The ape has evolved. Let's put the Spirit of God into the ape. Does that really make sense? Does that line up? Do we see spiritual apes, frogs, and amoebas? We see them doing amazing things. Then what about the first ape that became man? There it is. Oh, that looks like man. I'm going to come down. And now we do that. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make reason. And yet that argument, my challenge with all those arguments is this, is it destroys, it breaks down, and, and removes the significance of us being spiritual creatures. And I'm saying that is vital and important for us. If we want to move in the way God wants us to do, you've got to understand your spiritual nature. 
You cannot rely on the rest. It, and that breaks it down. And my friends who are walking away from faith, I've got friends who walk away from the faith because they believe this. And that's my concern. You believe all this and you become less and less relevant in the spiritual sense. It all becomes what I can do in the physical sense and become more reasonable. So that's the danger of it. So I made a lot of effort about that to highlight that we are spiritual creatures and that's, that's um, very important. Also what's important is the original mandate given to us. So God um, said to us, what, the first words he said to mankind was go out, subdue and dominate. It sounds very terrible. But put in the light of the kingdom of God. Do that for the kingdom of God. Go out there and represent the kingdom of God wherever you're going. So I'm here and I'm operating in the, in the realm of, of the physical to represent the kingdom of earth. Uh, sorry, the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's what we are, are called to do here. All right, so he told us to do that. So we could rule and establish the kingdom of, of God. Not that we should be subdued and dominated. So if any of you are in a situation where you're subdued and dominated, that is not the, the position of believers. And we shouldn't believe that's what we're called to. We might be there temporarily and we serve in the nature of Christ as a servant, but we do it in a way that honors God. And we should be expecting to take control. There's places where people in their service have been elevated to higher positions. I think of a, a, a prisoner in a jail gets elevated to the second in charge. Uh, people, captors who come in from Jerusalem go into a palace and they get elevated to run the countries because they see that recognition of who they are operating the power of God and they do it in a way that honors the Lord. So that's our true identity. Also, creation has been waiting in eager anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. That to me is amazing as well. Because it was subject to fertility and to bondage after the fall. I mean, when did the mosquito come out? It only happened after the fall. That wasn't God. I believe that was Satan interfering. So, and that was natural selection. So <laughs> it was a fruit-sucking fly that, being that went for blood. Uh, that's what I see. But, so don't build theology around me on that one. So, so creation has been subject to fertility, but it's groaning and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. When are the sons of God going to be revealed? When Jesus comes? When Jesus died on the cross? When we're born again? I'm going that I'm a son, sons of God are revealed when we are born again. So right now, we are bringing that revelation of truth to creation that sons of God have been revealed. The fullness will be when Jesus returns because there's a whole new level. But right now, we are operating in that level of sons of God being revealed. We should be. We should be praying to say, Lord, the weather patterns will change. That experts predict four years to fill the Val Dam, they'll be filled in less. Happened. My sister and brother-in-law live in a cyclone area of KZN. They often have cyclones, not often, but when they do, tracking towards them, they don't accept it. They redirect it, and it turns around. I've seen other people do it. I've seen people control the weather patterns. I've seen Jesus do it. Um, the same works as Jesus. And, and if I'm challenging you, it's for the reason to say, do you see where we have fallen away from the belief in the Bible? Because the weather tells us, the weather app tells us. We, we often pray against the weather app because it's nonsense. I don't know why it's taking longer for rain in Cape Town, but I feel God's maybe giving us an opportunity to do business. So uh, that's another story. But in these things, God has got power that he's given to us in order to influence the, the environment around us, to bring uh, blessing, to bring hope, even to creation, that we all should be. So what I'm saying is rise up as sons and daughters of creation to reveal this to those things around you. Don't be afraid and practice. 
A lot of these things are just going out in faith, and it might not happen immediately, but if you believe it, you're going to carry on with that to achieve that level. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm just preaching the Bible here. Um, if you want to go to Romans 8, 19 to 23, talking about uh, sons of God being revealed. Um, okay, so now why the flesh? Surely if we're spiritual beings, why put us into this physical, fleshy, uniform outfit that seems to cause a lot of problem? And I think I asked that and I got a quick answer. So what, what I sense the Lord saying to us is, Graham, this is the only way for now that you guys can operate in faith. Angels do not operate in faith. All they do is operate in obedience. So we have obedience and faith as part of our journey on, in the world today. So in, and God didn't punish us to be like this. He says, you know, we're going to rule a judge over angels. That's our job as Christians. So do it well here. Don't get other people to judge. Learn how to judge properly. We're told, told to practice here on earth. Practice. Don't go to the lawyers and the judges. Do it amongst yourself. Do it wisely. So when we have a time, to, so we're in preparation for the future rule. So the flesh is God's way of us to enjoy something that no other created being can do, not even the animals, is that we can exercise by faith and live by faith. That's why faith is so important. That's why we can't just put it to the side and talk a little about faith, I'm of faith. I mean, the world tolerates religion. They can mold it. They can put things into place. Any religion, you name the major religions around the world, they can tolerate because it's man-made, it's got structures. But when it comes to faith, it blows their mind. We, we now challenge them beyond, and they want us to keep quiet. Even the religious churches don't want faith to be in place. So it really challenges. It's not something the world accepts easily. But we've got to recognize that that's the way that God's done it. We walk by faith. Um, it's only by faith that we can please God, and we can, we can approach God through faith as well. So those are important. That we've got to recognize that. So if we're not exercising that faith element in our day-to-day walk, then we're not walking in the power that God has for us. As much as you want to do in the physical and the natural realm, you will never get to those levels that God wants us to be operating. We had a vision in the prayer meeting, two of us separately. I was analog. You were digital. That was quite amazing. But we saw a sound meter operating. But I'll tell you what I sense God telling us is that if we want to operate in the physical realm and do things on our own strength with our own reason and, and be logical and do whatever, you're going to operate in the green band of the, of, of the, of the sound you know, level. I'm, I'm operating there. But the moment you step into faith and you let God's word be true, and you trust him, and you believe, you operate in the red, effortlessly. You can do it sustainably. Over here, you get tired out. People moan and groan, and it's all an effort. But over here, in faith, in grace, you operate in the, in the next realm. So I just want to encourage us that, that, can you see how important faith is? We, we cannot walk this out unless we acknowledge the spiritual nature of our creator, of our father, who's made us spiritual, who wants us to respond in a spiritual nature as well. Um... Okay, the significance of salvation is, well, um, so mankind died in their sins, was dead to sins, and, and lost their spiritual connection with God. So we were broken in that. And God sent um, Jesus, it was Jesus, eh? he sent Jesus to come and to, to die for our sins to set us free. So now that sin and that brokenness has been removed from us as born-again uh, as people, that we can now live in a relationship. So at the wedding, 
I meet Jesus, I believe, the Holy Spirit helps me believe, I get convicted, and, and that's God drawing me. If, if you want to see God working, see God working in the lives of a, of a non-believer coming to God, because that's the Holy Spirit working, convicting them, and that's God's faith working. There's a movement of God spiritually. But if you've got spiritual eyes, you'll say, hey, I recognize God working there. You've just rejected man and, and the sin, and you've come to be a believer. That was God working there. Um, and now what happens to us? Two things that are very important. And, and, and having studied this, the first one is that we are born again with water and the Spirit. The water being the Word. We understand the Word by faith. The Word tells us who we are and that we need Jesus and we're born again. And then we get washed with that. And then we receive the Holy Spirit. So that was the first kind of phase one of our conversion. I've been washed and I'm filled with the Spirit. And I receive the Spirit. But then Jesus comes along and he does the extra thing, which is, he, he baptizes us in the Spirit and in fire. So now it's that additional element of the Spirit that, that is fire, that is power, that look, makes us look like Him, that gives us that power. So I am no longer in any ways resembling that previous creature of Graham who was there before. I used to because paid theologians paid other helped other people not to believe that. But here we don't believe that because the Word tells us, we believe what the Word says, that I'm a new creation. I have become a new creation. The old self is down, is dead. Uh, spiritually, I'm born again. I have the same spirit as the Holy Spirit inside of me. Um, that's one third. Now, what happens when I start believing? The mind believes. That's two thirds. Okay, watch out. We've got a majority. So sicknesses, wealth, health, um, relational issues, watch out. There's a majority coming after you. So we have that power. I believe that because the word shows us that. So... I'd, so that's the significance of salvation, just very quickly, I, I, I've condensed it, that we are born again with the Spirit and we're on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's a Holy Spirit fire, we're not the same. If, if your spiritual conversion puts you in a place that you still think you're similar to this just, and, and you just believe in God, you're still in the wedding. And I don't know any about you, but I, it was enjoyable to be at a wedding, to get married personally, but it's also more enjoyable to be walking out the marriage. There's things that happen there that are much more enjoyable than just a wedding. And it's the same with Jesus. So if all you hear, and these churches that spend a lot of time highlighting repentance and that Jesus saved you and everything, else, wonderful, I love how they do that. But very little on the fact that we're journeying into the kingdom as God's representation. We are clothed in the image of, of, of God. He's clothed us in the image of God. When I look at you as believers, you're clothed in the image of God. No longer the same as you were before, and you've put on true righteousness and true holiness. So that's what God has seen. So we are, we are extremely different in that regard. And I'm going to summarize there. I have a whole lot more about the challenges. So, so I was going to read Hebrews 5 and 6. And Hebrews 5 and 6 just talks about the fact that we, we should be moving away from milk. Milk is the basic doctrines of faith. Repentance and not by works, it's by faith. And of being washed again by baptism and that there is a judgment coming. That's the basics. If all you're getting is the basics, uh, there's a problem. Solid food is, is knowing the promises of God. And if you read that, it's, it's the, these are the promises of God that are given to us in order to operate the way that God wants us to be, like Jesus. To, you ought to walk like Jesus. As he is, so am I in this world. So I have a direct connection to my true identity. Um, and and what's, what I want to encourage us with this is the fact that God guarantees those promises. He's the guarantor behind all his promises. There was no greater name 
by which he could guarantee those promises. So he said to Abraham, I'm going to do this. I'm going to promise you. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you a family and everything else. I'm going to call you righteous. And, well, because you believed I'm right, you're righteous. But he did it on his own name. There was no greater name to do that. And, and my challenge in that is, do we accept the level of God's authority as the highest name possible? God said. Because God said, that's fine. So when God says something in the Bible, are we willing to believe that and to put it into place because we know that he's backing it and he's the highest authority? In the old days, money used to say, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of the following. If you look at the new rand, it's just got a signature and it's kind of, what does that mean? It's it's kind of meaningless. There's no guarantees behind it at the moment. But with God, he has guaranteed it. And my challenge, and I want this to be a spiritual challenge, is are you, of all the things I've said, the most important thing is, can you depend and stand on the promises of God as the guarantor of all his good promises, what he said for you. And, and I'm going to end with these little promises here. The promises are that, um, that when we seek first the kingdom of God, he will give us everything else we need. Can you believe that? That sounds crazy. Surely you need to get a job, you need to do this, get the best paying job. No, no, that's what the Bible says. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek me, seek my righteousness, seek what I'm doing, and let all these things come to, to be. So can you believe that? Because he's the guarantee. I have. I've walked away from corporate jobs. I had no jobs. I've worked for free for a long time. I know others. <laughs> We're doing it, and God's blessing us. I'm in a position that I wouldn't be unless I did it God's way. Far better. I'd rather be in that position of not being paid a monthly salary because I don't want to depend on it. In fact, I, I'm poop scared. I don't want to be paid an employee a salary because I don't want to depend on it. I've, I've seen the dependence of it. I'm afraid of it. I don't want to be dependent on money. I want to be dependent on God. And I can go through every month. <laughs> it's a challenge, but I, as I have confidence in God, I don't need a paycheck to come into my salary. I need God because all of a sudden that's opening and that's opening. And one day, as somebody who's saying this, I will demonstrate to you through what's been happening in my life because I've trusted God. Not me. I, there's nothing smart about me. Let me tell you, it's not me and my degree. I, I'm, I'm shooting it down because I don't value it as much as having God's presence and thought and leading in this by putting him first. Okay. So don't say, oh, you've got a degree or you're white. No, no. <laughs> I'll tell you now because I'm trusting God and I put his word first. Lord, it's you, what you say. So when there's no money, I'm saying I'm worshiping God in, in truth. You know, what does it mean to worship God in truth and spirit? It's, I take God's word and I don't have to be listening to music or in a certain mode, I've just got to be agreeing with God's word. So I worship God in spirit and truth. Whenever I'm in that place to say, Lord, your word is true. All right. It's better when you're here because it's much more fun. So when I do it, my spirit, and again, thank you to this group of people who lead us into that truth. I have never enjoyed this level of spiritual connection, connectedness to God because of what you guys are doing to show. So I want to honor, they are leading us in that right direction. So if we are meant to be more like Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus. These guys are showing us. So I encourage you to, to model and imitate what they're doing. So that first thing, can, can we put God first? Is it possible? I say yes, definitely, 100%. What about, and I'm going to touch some, uh, um, what about praying in tongues? Do we really believe that's important? To me, I, I think it's vital. It's not that you're not born again. Of course you're born again. Do you believe Jesus? Yes, you're born again. Do you know the Holy Spirit's in you? The Bible says so. And when the Holy Spirit's in you, you can speak in tongues. Do you know that? It's just simple. Don't listen to paid theologians to tell you something else. Read the Bible. So we pray with our spirit and we pray with our mind. And the reason we want to is because I don't want this corrupted avocado up here telling me what what God can and cannot do. I don't trust it. I don't trust my reason. 
I trust what God says. So when I pray in the tongue, guess what? Tink, I'm free of that nonsense spinning around telling me how God can operate. No, God doesn't heal anymore. The apostles have died. The Bible's here. What nonsense. Jesus tells me he's gone to the Father. He's still there. I can do the same. Oh, yeah, okay. So now I, I just lean that be the, sorry, be the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing that to spiritual. So I want to encourage you. It's a, it's a tool to enable you to get to the next level, to overcome what the mind is trying to limit you and, and the world and Satan, that you are now free to declare the truth of the heaven. And ask God for understanding. Lord, what have I prayed in tongues? What does it mean? Ah, okay, that's what it means. I'm now free in that. A lot of successful Christians have that ability and dependence on praying in tongues. That's just the way they get to. So if you want to move in faith, be, be in that level. Um, I think so. the other big one is to, is to me is health. You know, this is what God says about health. Uh, let, let me just throw this out. Uh, again, it's not me, it's God. I'm depending on God. It's, I'm now in my third year that I've not been to a doctor. Previously, I used to have a bit of a, a relationship with him. He used to stick needles into me and I would pay for that. I mean, that's illogical to me. If you don't like something, why go to it? It's just very illogical. It doesn't matter how clever you want to say it's illogical in my book. All right. So now for three years into my third year, I have avoided that. My family have also started doing that. You see, I have got people that I'm trying to imitate as they imitate Christ have been not to a doctor for 50 years. Only reason they go there is to have a checkup and they say you like an 18-year-old. So I don't need a doctor to tell me who and what I am. I just need the Word of God to be there. It doesn't mean I'm stupid and I don't eat well and I try and keep myself healthy and etc. I do because I want to live long. I'm going to live to 120 because Moses did and Abraham and some of the others. Your 70 years, what are you believing, man? Well, why? And, and I, I feel for you because you, you're living a lie. Everybody's saying, I'm getting old, I'm going to do this, but you're living a lie. That's not what the Word says. And if you're going to be different, let's live what the Word says. So live 120, fullness of life with blessing and abundance. That's why, so, so here, here's some truth about health. By his wounds you have been healed, cured. It's what God says. I don't have to go to a doctor. Um, Jesus commanded you and empowers you to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's Mark 16, 19. Um, there's over 170, I've counted these, 170 verses in the Bible tell me that Jesus wants me to heal other people and I can be healed. 170. Bring your verses that tell me that the Bible has been formed and that the apostles no longer exist. I mean, where's the logic here? Do you, do you get me? I don't understand why we bring that illogicalness to the logic of the Bible. It doesn't make sense. Let, let's trust God. I trust God. That's what he said. We've seen it. So time's running out. I can't go into why, but I've got physical demonstration of that in my own life, and I know it's true. Um, then wealth. So, so wealth. God gives us the power to create wealth. It confirms the Abrahamic covenant uh, between himself and myself. I'm happy to receive that, Lord. That's what it is. Bring it on. I'm happy for you to confirm it. Proverbs 23, 4. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to detest. If you are overworked and been boiled at work through work issues, there's something wrong. You need to detest. That's not what the kingdom's about. And it's not about what the world's saying now. It's not what the kingdom's about. So I'm just throwing what God's trying to say. I, he doesn't want us to be cooked alive at work. He wants us to be reigning, taking dominion, and have power and authority there. So listen to the word. That's God's promise. I can't emphasize more. That's what he wants for you. Um, and this is what puts it all into context because we've had lots of debates. We are enriched in every way to be generous in every way. 
And why do I sound so confident? Because there's 140 verses in the Bible that tell me I'm meant to be generous in every way, and it will flow through. And I'm trying to. And these guys have seen me journey and trying to be faithful. Honor, I, I, I've got greater desire to be beyond where I am. That's just where the world is. That's my current status. But I want to be generous in every way. So I'm trusting God for it. I'm not going to limit to a salary or to whatever the case is because I, I know I can depend on God to do that. That's what he's called me to do. Um, so, so I'm going to throw this in because I'm cheeky. So tithes, what does tithes represent? Tithe just represents that I'm confident to trust God in his ways. That's a simple thing. So you don't tithe. Um, enjoy the milk formula, the mother's milk. There you are. Enjoy. It's fine. You can do that. God loves you and everything else. That's mother's milk. But when you want solid food, steaks, the dessert, all the good biltong nourishment, tithe. Simply because I trust God, I trust his word, and I'm free to give. And I'm not limited by what I can do. I'm limited to what I, I want God to do. And that's what I'm trying to, that's a release, that's a freedom in that as well. So uh, it's just, I'm confident in God, I know his word, and I don't have to reason away why I don't do this. He just said, do it. Um, Melchizedek was before the law. Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. Um, Abraham approached Melchizedek and said, here's my offering, gave it to him. Yeah, he knew it, he gave it. It wasn't in uh, hiddenness. Um, he could see who it was. We have the Old Testament Levi order because God's trying to explain how selfish and sinful we are. And then we have Jesus again in the order of Melchizedek. So can we see the connection between the order of Melchizedek, the eternal priesthood, and the tithing? And then here we have Jesus in the order of Melchizedek, the eternal priesthood. I am free to tithe. In fact, I get depressed. Not because I have lack of money. It's because I can't sow. It's wrong. It's wrong, wrong, wrong that I cannot sow into the kingdom of God. I hate it. That's the worst thing about not having money. Who cares about the bills and the tax and everything else? It's just, it, it's, oh, I'm getting quite emotional about this. It's just not kingdom that I cannot tithe richly and generously into, into it. Because that's my father's work. And I'm behind my father's work. Okay. So I just want to release you into that. that the, it's a feel Again, it's just a freedom. Can we trust God's word and say that's what it is? I'm trying to take it to that level, and you probably need more of this, but we want to get to that level that we depend totally on God and we see his word, and I'm saying I'm living that out, and we're going to do it that way. All right, so I'm going to end there. There's more. Um, God is passionate about us. He's passionate about seeing Jesus formed in us. He started that process. We are spiritual beings. All I'm saying is be careful of how you reason yourself out of the kingdom and back to milk formula. And you avoid the meat. Find the meat and devour it and say, Lord, I want that to be true. I want these things to be true. And find others who will stand with you to say, you know, the word says that. I want that to be true. I'm trusting the Lord that I can do six years business and in the sixth year I'll get three years worth of work. Why? Because that's a Sabbath year blessing. Why did that fall away? Is, is that some fantasy? No, it's just God's word. So uh, that's the kingdom. I want to live that way. I want to see it in a way that just revealed because I trust God. I don't know what it will look like, but I'm trusting. And one day I'll say, I don't know how I got there, but God did it. Why? Not because I'm clever. I've got the right people. It's because God's there. So I'm trusting for other things as well. But are we trusting to be deep, to be powerful, to walk in the power of Jesus, to be like him, to do the same things as him, to reject the nonsense that's out there. We were praying earlier in the meeting, the prayer meeting, that we're rejecting the, 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 the sound waves. We're just focusing on God's word. And we'll walk it out together. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.